This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. I would rather be here than the best prison or jail in all of Southern California. Amen. I would rather be here than the best rehab center. I would rather be here than the best hospital in Southern California. Amen. Because I was in the best hospital in Southern California last weekend. Glad to be here. I am glad to be here. Uh, you notice, hallelujah, the title of our message today is My Testimony in Progress. My Testimony in Progress. And I better look at my notes so I can stay on track what I want to do. I want to thank everybody that's been praying for me and my family and encouraging us and helping us since the start of the year when, when uh, things tried to attack my life to take me out of the earth. Amen. And so anyway, uh, I, I, I'm going to fill, fill in all the blanks here in just a second. But uh, when this thing started back in January, the Lord told me to make it a teachable moment for the congregation. As I went through things to keep you informed and tell you how I was winning the battles that I was facing. And uh, if, you don't, if you notice on your bulletin there every week and all the literature of the church, it says that the purpose of our church is to equip, is to equip God's families for victorious Christian living. For victorious Christian living. And we have to understand that in this world we live in, Christians, non-Christians, whoever they are, there's battles go on. And, you know, whether you're saved or unsaved, you all face battles. The difference is, what do you do with the battles on? And, uh, you know, something that I just want to say this. In the battles of life, you can be passive and just resist. Or as a Christian, you can all the time just pray when the attack comes and just pray out of defense. But we as believers have to become offensive. We not only need to just pray when the attacks are on, we got to know how to pray before the attack, because if we don't know how to pray before the attack, then you're probably going to lose when the battle's on. And so we're going to talk about some things today that's going to help you. I'm going to be talking a lot about what I've been through and the victories I've got, but I'm not doing it for that purpose to talk about me. I'm doing it to do what the Lord said to do to make it teachable for you. So you can look at me as an example. The Apostle Paul said over and over in the epistles to the church, he said, follow me. And said, follow those of us who get victory in Christ. In other words, that word follow means to imitate. Do what we do, you can get what we got. Amen. And so, you know, I didn't know till last weekend how serious the devil wanted to kill me. But Jesus wouldn't let him. And so I'll just say this, at, you know, for those who don't know what's going on in life, the first week of January I was diagnosed with a thing called plasmatic lymphoma, which is cancer of the blood. And so they said I had stage four cancer in my blood, and 70% of my blood plasma had cancer. And so since January, I've been going through chemotherapy and different things, standing on God's word the best I could, but I tell you, it was tough when your brains hit. When your body's hit, whatever they got you is hit to pray, to read the Bible. But praise God, I had 38 years of putting things into my spirit. And so because my spirit was full of the Word of God, and my mind could go into neutral places, basically my mind was neutral. I told you at the start of the year for 
probably the last year before that diagnosis, I didn't even know most of your names. Because my brain was shut down. Because 70% of my blood wasn't flowing to my brain. So when I came into church, I looked at somebody like Dennis and Janelle. I'd, my heart would say, I know them. But my brain would say, what's their name? Oh, hi, good to see you guys. It's good to see you. Robert, our head usher, walk in. Known Robert ever since I've been in California. Say, hi, it's good to see you. And then by the time I get up here to preach, my spirit could preach without my head. Because my spirit, I gave access to my tongue, to my spirit. So when I got up here, God's anointing was on me. I'd go like I always did because I didn't need my head to come out of my heart. And so that, that was that part. Been going through that chemotherapy all these months. And then I'm not going to tell you very much about this testimony current until I get to the end of what we're going to teach about. Because I want to set you up. So you know how to do what I did so you get what I got. Make a long story short, uh, the cardiologist said I was a walking dead man. should have never seen him. I had 99% of my main artery shut off. I had 1% of my heart was getting blood. <laughs> 1%. Amen. And so here I am today. I'm preaching. Amen. I'm teaching. Jesus did some serious miracles in my life over the weekend. And I'm going to tell you about these then, but I had to tell you that to set you up. Have I got your attention? Amen. I hope, I hope you have a pen to go with your note sheet. And I hope you have a Bible you can open, because I may look at some things in the Word of God that's not going to be on the screen up there. And, you know, I always want to tell you, again, if you want what I got, do what I did. Every time today that I go to a church somewhere else, somebody's preaching, I've got my Bible, I've got my pen, I've got my notepad. That's what I've done for 38 and a half years. Bible, pen, notepad, because I want to see what's in there, because it doesn't do any good if my pastor, Dr. Barclay, has faith for healing, and I don't. I've got to have it too. His faith will get him healed, but I can have my faith to get myself healed. And so the things I tell you, whether it's for healing Faith works in all arenas of life, finances, family, jobs, kids, whatever it is. The same faith that will get you healed is the same faith that will get your kids delivered. The same faith that will get you healed is the same faith that will get you a job. Whatever you need, faith works, but you got to practice the principles of faith. And so anyway, we got from where we were to where we are by practicing these principles. And so I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 19 and verse 20. And I want, I want to tell you something. Our church, when we look at Scripture, a lot of times we cheer like that. But uh, I heard Brother Hagin, he's one of my mentors, say, and I've always said it to be true, when you show excitement for the Word of God, you're showing excitement for Jesus. Jesus, the Bible tells us, is the Word of God. book of Revelation chapter 19 says that Jesus is the living Word. And so whatever we say, we're going to look at such and such a passage and people get excited. Jesus is jumping up and down up there saying, "Woo! they're getting excited about me because they know I'm getting ready to talk to them. And so I take the Bible not just as a history book. I take the Bible as a living letter that God's talked to me. As a matter of fact, the epistles are called the epistles because they're letters. And they're supposed to be living letters, living word of God. And so what I've said a lot of times, and this is really the way I look at the Bible, is this, that 
today we've got all the emails and the Googles and the goggles and the text messages and all the ways to have instant communication out around the world. But it wasn't that long ago we had the thing called snail mail. Amen. And you had to wait on a letter. You couldn't just pick up your phone and dial somebody anywhere in the world. If you had a loved one overseas in a war zone, you couldn't just talk to them instantly. You sent a letter. If you're a Christian, you prayed over it to get to them that actually get to see it. And so when they got your letter from home, if you were dad and mom, and you sent a letter to your son or your daughter, they were somewhere like that. When you wrote that, when you read that, they wasn't seeing words on a page. They were seeing the one that wrote the words. They were seeing dad's face. They were seeing mom's face. And whatever dad and mom said to them, they grabbed that. They held it to their heart, that war zone, because they were in danger. And they had words of love and encouragement coming to them. And it wasn't just something empty, just reading it. Okay, yeah, I've read that before. You know, people kept those letters for years and years and years. They had all to read them again and again because they brought hope and encouragement to them. Well, that's what the Bible is. We have a loving Father. We have a loving Savior named Jesus. And when we read these words off these pages, if we'll take them for what they are, our Father God, our Lord Jesus talking to us, we say, wow, I take that personally. God just said that to me. He may be God to the world, but He's Father to me. If you take them like that, they'll produce results in your life. Amen? That's Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we're talking about my testimony in progress because things are still happening as I speak. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. Actually, I'm going to look at verse 17. I told you to look at some things that aren't on the screen necessarily. But look at this, verse 17. Look at your Bibles. But if your heart turns away... So you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce unto you this day that you shall surely perish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land. That means you won't live as long as God wants you to. God wants you to live a long time. But God said, if you're drawn away, start chasing other things and loving other things. more you do, God said, you're going to shorten your days. Said you're not going to live as long as you're supposed to live. But what that simply means is this. With this busy life we live, take time, make time, whatever you do, to spend time with God. Come to church as much as you can, be your church family. And don't just, be, just, don't just be a person that prays the time of crisis, but just thank God every day when you get up that you're breathing. Amen. If you're not breathing good, then pray for healing and thank Him that He's working in your body. Whatever, whatever it is you do, stay in communication with home. That's what we're saying. And so God said that you'll prolong your days. And then verse 19, He said, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. Now God said this, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. Look at this. Freeze thy life and the length of thy days. He's talking again about living long on the earth. God is saying, you make right choices. You know, I know that, uh, you know, in the times we live in, people's health conscious and diet conscious and exercise conscious, and they even got things say, make healthy choices. Well, God said, make healthy spiritual choices. Make healthy spiritual choices. And he said that you'll lengthen your days 
and you'll live long upon the earth. And so, according to these verses, we have a choice in what we receive in life. According to these verses, we have a choice, including how long we live and the quality of life we live. How long and the quality of life. Is that what he said? I said for you, life and death, blessing and cursing. How many know that God says blessing, that's good. If God said cursing, the whole world's under a curse. But you get out by following Jesus, receiving Jesus. So God said, I set them before you as my people. And so when you might make right choices in spiritual things, you position yourself for God's best. You position yourself for God's best. You can get in position to receive more from God. God's blessing all the time. Everybody that gets in position to be blessed. And, you know, I'll give you an example. How many empty seats do we have in the church this morning? We have a few empty seats. Well, how many people do you think that go to this church that would have benefited today from this message and would have blessed them? You know what? They didn't choose. And see, I'm not, I'm not putting down anybody or doing anything, et cetera, like that. I'm just saying we have choices. We have choices every day. Do we want to get in position to know God better? Or do we want to get in position just to have a good time for the short haul for today. What do we want to do? And so this is what we're talking about, that God said you need to position yourself for blessing. And so when you get in the place where you could hear from God, when you get in the place where God could speak to your heart, you're getting in position to be blessed. Amen? So he said, I set before you blessing and cursing, therefore choose life that both you and your seed would live. And so in my life, I got born again, received Jesus as my Savior, January 29, 1980. I was raised in a heathen family. I was raised in an ungodly family. I didn't really know anything about God or Jesus or anything like that at all. But what I found out in the month of January of 1980 that God was real and that Jesus was real. And what I heard, the way I was going to find out more about God was read my Bible and go to church. I positioned myself. I made the choice. That day I gave my heart to Jesus that I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go to church. If the Bible says to do it, I'm going to do my best to learn how to do it. I'm going to do what he said to do. So what was I doing? I was choosing life. And so I got in position a long time ago so that when attacks came on my family or my life, I would know what to do to win. And so I said that to say this, what I'm looking at in the current things that I'm winning in right now. That I've heard a lot of religious people say things to me lately. Not necessarily people from our church, but different people that I, that I, that I know in life and meet at different places say things like this. God must have a plan for your life. He's got a reason for you being here. He does, but he has one for you too. I'm no special case. God's got a plan for everybody in life. Man, everybody's not planned to be a preacher, but how many know that out there in the, in the warehouses, the factories, the jobs that you go to, there's a lot of sinners out there need to have a good Christian truck driver around them, need to have a, a, good, a good Christian factory worker in the restaurants, in the grocery stores. Those people out there are not going to know about Jesus unless there's some good, strong Christians out there that live in front of them. Tell them about it. God's got a plan for everybody. Say, God's got a plan for me. Amen. As we yell, God must have a plan for you, Pastor Samples. He let you live. I positioned myself a long time ago for crisis. Amen. 
I know God's plan for my life. I'm walking in it. But before I was doing the preaching thing, I was a Christian truck driver for a lot of years. And I walked in it. I I lived like a Christian as a truck driver. And now as a pastor, I live like a Christian. God wants Christians to make right choices, to be examples to people. And so I've heard religious people say that. And also, uh, he, he, he loves you. He likes you. He must really like you. And I can say this. God doesn't just like me. God loves me. But God loves you too. He loves us all the same. He's no respecter of persons. But he is a respecter of faith. Amen. God respects you for what you do for him. But he loves us all. He doesn't love preachers as a special case. He loves everybody the same. We're all his sons. We're all his daughters. For God to love the world. That means everybody. God loves the, the foulest sinner as much as he loves every one of you. He loves them, except they just haven't jumped in yet and received it and chose to walk in it. Or, or uh, how about this one? How many have heard this one? Well, it must not have been your time yet. Must not have been your time. Well, as far as the devil was concerned... He wanted it to be my time. He wanted to take me out of here. Why is that? Well, I'm only 67 years old. I've learned a lot of things in 67 years. I didn't even know it 50 years. There's a lot of people look at me and respect me as a man of God that I can help right now. I have a lot of children. Mrs. Pastor said a while ago, be proof and multiply. We've got eight kids. We've got a lot of sons-in-laws, daughter-in-laws, a lot of grandchildren. I have a lot of young people. What is it? Listen to Grandpa talk and tell them about how it used to be and what I did when I was young and tell them how to miss the things I went through so they don't have to go through them. And so the devil would love to take me out. Must not have been my time yet. No, it wasn't my time yet because God promised me for one place in Psalms 90. He said our day is supposed to be at least 70. And then said by, by, by reason of strength, 80. But in that passage there, would you read that passage there? That was Moses talking about the children of Israel under judgment in the wilderness. And so God said, even those people out there in disobedience, that they can expect at least 70 or 80 years. And so how much more for us, born again, washed by the blood of Jesus Christians, should we get a minimum of 70 good years? 80 years. And believe in God for even more than that. He, t- he told Noah the last time God really talked about Man's man's lifespan, God told Noah, the days of man's going to be 120 years. And so we as believers, you have my time yet? No, I haven't even hit the bottom yet of the, of the totem pole on how long I'm supposed to live yet. So no, it wasn't my time yet. I believe God for at least 85 good years for myself. And then when I get to 85, if I want more, I'll go for more. But I believe him for that. But the whole thing was, just like everybody in this room, as a born-again child of God, the devil would love to take you out so you can't fulfill God's plan and purpose for your life. And so, according to these verses, when we choose to listen to God speak to us through His Word and obey His Word, we can enjoy a long, blessed life. I want to say that again. I'm talking about my life, where I am, while I'm getting victories now. I've chosen to hear God's Word and obey God's Word I position myself to be blessed, to be protected. And so I say this a lot of times. This is your fill in the blanks. That 
Life won't end in success or failure by chance, but by choice. Not by chance, but by choice. And, uh, you know, you've heard the thing before, the born on the wrong side of the tracks, live on the wrong side of the tracks, get born again. And then choose to live on the right side of the tracks. You know, I think about something that Pastor Dave preached a while back about, about Gideon. Gideon said, said, my family's the least in all of Israel. He said, I'm the least of my family. He said, he said, he said I'm the biggest rotten guy in the, whole, in the whole nation of my family. Nobody likes my family. Well, I'm sure that every one of you, every one of you probably have a story about how people looked down at your family. Well, that was that, was that family. Well, I don't know about you. I live in the family of God. I've got a new dad. I've got a new bloodline. I live for Jesus. And, you know, when you look at when you look at the Gospels, when you look at the epistles, Christian leaders a lot of times suffered the greatest persecution because of the Jesus they served. And so we have to understand a lot of times when people come against you now, it's not because of who you are. It's because of who you represent. And when you get that, when you get that into your thinking and understanding, the main thing is if Jesus is the one that proves of you, you live for him. And you don't be moved by what people think about you. So anyway, I chose, I chose the blessing on January 29, 1980. And I haven't always done everything right. Now listen to this. I've talked about my testimony in progress, how I've positioned myself to receive the blessing. Didn't, didn't we just say the word of God? He said, I said before you, blessing and cursing, therefore choose. Okay. Uh, I haven't always lived everything right or perfect, but I've guarded my conscience. I've been quick to repent and make corrections when I saw I was doing it wrong. That's the key to everything I'm going to say to you today. I taught about this about three weeks ago, about Jesus looks at your heart. He looks at your mouth. He looks at your actions. But the most important thing is your heart and your conscience. Your conscience is the voice of your spirit. That's your spirit talking to you. And if you're born again, you can trust your conscience. And so when you know that you're doing wrong, when you know that you've wronged somebody, when you know that you've talked wrong to somebody, done wrong, immediately stop. Look up to heaven and say, Father, what I just did was wrong. Please forgive me. Or sometimes in life we make major decisions, like job decisions sometimes, or where we're going to live sometimes, etc., or where we're going to go to church. And then after a while you realize, wow, I'm on the wrong road. I've made a wrong decision. I had right motives to take this job. I had right motives to move over here. I had right motives to go there. But now after a season you recognize, man, it's not anointed. This job's not anointed. I've lost my joy yet. This is just not working. Something's wrong here. Then you stop and you pray. Say, Lord, forgive me. Help me to make the right decision to get this turned around. And so that's what I've done all my Christian life. When I found out that I made wrong choices, although they may have been with a right heart, right motives, God looks at my heart. And when I make corrections, and that was hard to do sometimes. You know, I was telling Pastor Dave uh, the other day after I'd pastored for years, and I was a... Uh, I was even a TV preacher back in Indiana. I mean, we had about the biggest church in town. We were really going along, but I was a truck driver for a lot of years, semi-trucks. For a lot of years, before I was a preacher, and to be honest with you, I could do it right now if God had let me. I loved trucking as much as I loved preaching because it was my thing. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. 
And so anyway, I'd been pastor for several years. My kids went to Christian school and they uh, knew I used to drive trucks. And they asked me, hey, would you be willing to drive a school bus? I thought, oh, man, I could be around something big again. I could do that. So I drove that school bus about two or three months and I started going on the inside of my conscience. I didn't call you to be a bus driver. I called you to be a pastor. I'll never, I'll never forget. I had to walk in the office of that school to that principal and look her in the eye and say, you've got to get another bus driver. I can't do it anymore. Well, why can't you do it anymore? I said, because God doesn't want me to. He told me I'm a pastor, not a bus driver. That was humiliating. It was embarrassing. But I knew it come down to the place of this. I either had to talk to that woman and make a change of what I was doing or I was in serious trouble with God. And so that's what I've always done in my life. There's things that my flesh always wanted to do. And sometimes I've chosen things that I wanted to do. I thought I was okay with God to do it, but then I found out I wasn't. And so what I've learned in life, I'd a whole lot rather be a lot slower in making some of these moves now than have to eat crow later and humble myself and be embarrassed and apologize about things. Amen? And so I've been quick to make adjustments. Quick to make adjustments in things in life because I want to position myself to always be in the will of God. Now, I want you to look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. Pastor Dave, you get a chance, turn that fan just a little bit because it's blowing my pages. John chapter 10, verse 10. And as, as you're a new Christian or an older Christian, this verse here needs to be one of your verses that you have in your heart, in your thinking, in your understanding, if you want to be successful in the spiritual warfare going on around you. I learned this as a baby Christian in the early 1980s, and I've always, always kept it at the forefront of my thinking. Jesus said this, the thief cometh not. By the way, the thief is the devil. And, you know, if you're a Christian and you don't think there's a devil out there, then you're not going to go very far. You cannot live your Christian life on denial. There's a real devil. There's a real warfare out there. But just always remember this. First John 4, 4 says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall be hurt you. And so he's out there, but the Jesus in you is greater. And if you ignore the enemy, you're never going to win the battle. you got to know he's there. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. Well, in my life, the battles that hit me this year were coming to stealing, to killing, and destroying. But Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And so in my life, when I got hit, religious people say things like this. Well, God did that to teach you something. The Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter 4, God put apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in the church to teach you something. Hey, Amen. Bible tells me that if we study the Word of God, we get knowledge of God, which is teaching us about God. He did not say, I'll give Robert cancer or heart attacks because I want Robert to learn more. He didn't say that. He said, I'll give Robert a pastor after my heart. I'll give Robert a Bible. I'll give Robert 
Robert a, a mind to be able to read, a heart to be able to understand, and then if Robert reads the Bible, that will teach him something. Amen. Amen. I, I, you know, I just, uh, i got to stay in the Spirit. I could almost cringe or get mad right now thinking about duped Christians. When duped Christians get doped by dopey Christians. Something bad happens in their life. Some bad crisis attack comes. And somebody says, well, God wanted to teach you something. Well, then why didn't he put in the Bible? Why did he put in the Bible? I'm going to cause bad things come to your life to teach you something. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen. When bad things come in your life, the devil's behind it. Now, Ephesians 4.27 says, don't give place to the devil. And so sometimes you open the doors yourself. But even if you don't open the doors, he wants to attack anyway. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's out there all the time, but the whole thing is, what are we going to do to be ready when the attack comes? What are we going to do to keep off the attacks? That's the whole thing. Now look at this next part of the verse. He said, I came that they might have life and that more abundantly. Amplified Bible says this. said, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Have and enjoy life. I can tell you this. When your blood has 70% cancer in it, life's not very enjoyable. When your heart has 99% of the blood flow stopped, life's not very enjoyable. This morning's the first time on a Sunday morning I'd be able to put my socks on without passing out. I did not know that my heart was shut off. It took me probably between 5 and 10 minutes any time I put socks on, so basically I wore flip-flops all year. I'd been over to put my socks on because my heart wasn't working right. I thought it was all the cancer stuff from the chemotherapy. I couldn't do it. God, where Mrs. Pastor, I'd put my socks on so I'd come to church because the blood wasn't flowing and I would bend over. I'd about pass out. So I'd get down and get my sock halfway on. I'd have to sit up for five minutes to recover so I'd put it on another halfway on and work at it. I want to tell you, that's the thief. I wanted to join life. It was miserable to try to do anything. It was, it was terrible. But Jesus said he could be to have and enjoy life in abundance to the fold till it overflows. Now, why did I say all that? To say this. If you're going to live a victorious Christian life, you've got to know when something comes against you, if it's a thief or if it's Jesus. It had been hard for me to pray and use my faith the last several months because I knew where the attack was coming from. It was that God tried to teach me something. I've done better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. And so anyway... I learned to judge everything that comes my way, and you need to learn this too, according to this verse. Praise God for the Bible that tells us about the realm of the Spirit and the authority we have in Christ and how to use it. The Gospels and the Epistles. Jesus talked a lot about Satan and his kingdom. Paul, Peter, they talked a lot. James, they talked a lot in the Epistles about the realm of the, of, of the devil and the realm of the kingdom of God and the authority we have and how to use it. If we don't study the Bible and learn what's really going on around us, you're always going to be fighting the wrong things, fighting the wrong enemies. Cancer and heart attacks was not my enemy. There's things that went on in the kingdom of darkness. I had to take authority over those things in order to do it the natural things. See, so many times in our lives, we 
are dealing with symptoms, not with roots. If you're a Christian and Jesus wants you to be enjoying life, there's things going on. If you're fighting people all the time, you think people's your enemies. You think politics is your enemies. You think some kind of disease is your enemies. You're in the wrong arena. You have to get in the arena of faith if you're going to win in life. Uh, years ago, the Lord gave me a word. And it was this. If you want to change the fruit, you've got to change the root. And you think about trees. You know, how many know that, that uh, if you're going to have a tree, it has to get water somewhere? Well, if, if all of a sudden, say you've got an apple tree. People eat your apples and they're dying. You can blame the tree. But look at what's under the ground. they got a hinkly water going in. <laughs> the root is drinking in poison. And because it is, it's affected it's, it's the fruit. And then the fruit's hurting people. And so you've always got to go to the root. When things are going on in your life, whatever arena it is, the financial arena, your family arena, don't just deal with symptoms. You've got to get along with God and pray and find out what's brought this on. Doesn't the Bible teach us sowing and reaping? You reap what you sow? You need to stop and turn around and look at some things and find out what's going on. And you might need to change some things in your root system to get different fruit in your life. Amen? And then sometimes... It may just be an attack from the devil. Everything's going right. It's an attack from the devil. you got to know. you got to know how to take authority over the devil and his kingdom if you want to win in life. Amen. And, you know, I'm, I'm telling you right now, the doctor's words to me Friday when I went for re-exam, his words were, you were walking dead, man. You should have never made it in here. And so, you know, I don't know what that show is, Walking Dead. I've seen it advertised. But to me, everybody on this whole planet that doesn't have eternal life, they're walking dead. Amen. And so, as I'm sharing things the Word of God today, it's not somebody just talking to you about some things that he heard somebody teach from experience in life telling you how to win. And this is a testimony in progress. Amen. And so, I want you to look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. And what I'm doing right now is setting you up to tell you details of this current testimony. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, says this. Fight the good religious fight. Fight for your political beliefs. What's he say? Fight the good fight of faith. And then he says, lay hold on eternal life. Well, Christians have eternal life on the inside of them already through the new birth. we got the Holy Spirit in us. We have the life of God in us. That's what we're talking about, eternal. But at the same time, he's talking to Christians. He says, lay hold of eternal life. And so not only are we to fight the good fight of faith, but then we're to grab a hold of the things that he wants us to have now. Jesus said he wants us to have and enjoy life. We've got to grab a hold of the blessings of God with our faith. We fight the good fight of faith by keeping the devil away from our life, away from our stuff. And then we're not just fighting to keep him away, but we use our faith to reach out and grab the blessings for our families God wants us to have. And you know, I think my business pastor and the uh, women's forum she's going to have. I'll tell you what, if I was a parent today and had a young daughter old enough to be there, I would get that girl there. You don't. Well, maybe you do know, or maybe you're blind. The devil out there 
has lots of prowlers out there, predators, that want to steal your little girl's life. That want to corrupt her forever and ever and ever and ever. And if your kids go to school, whether you realize it or not, the school has your kids' attention a whole lot more than what you do. They've got your kids all day long. And a lot of what they say absolutely 100% violate your values. And so if they're hearing from people of authority out there, from peers out there, all, all kinds of things that are absolutely wrong, more than what you're able to influence what you got, then things like this here, to me, would be well worth it to get them in, to get some godly women, tell them about some of the pitfalls of life and how to avoid them, and get your kids set up for blessing. Anyway, Mrs. Pastor, that was free, man. That's an advertisement, Mrs. Pa- Give Mrs. Pastor a hand. That's why he says, fight the good fight of faith. And so because as long as you live on earth, you're going to have an enemy called Satan. And listen to this. Another enemy called your unrenewed mind. Your unrenewed mind. And uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, we're supposed to renew our mind, or we're supposed to reprogram our mind to think like God thinks, not like the world thinks. All the world thinks is lose, 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 can't make it, can't make it. And, uh, you know, I learned when my son David had leukemia, that's another testimony right there on the front row. He had leukemia, and whatever the doctor said, his chance of living were, I forget what it was, 75, 80, 85% of them die. And you know, you know how, because I've been reprogrammed, not just positive, a positive thinker, but I've been reprogrammed to think like the Word of God said, the doctor said 85% of them die. You know what my first thought was? Well, that means 15% live. He's one of the 15. Doctor tells me 99% of your, your blood's not flowing. They said, Glory to God, 1% thought we need. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. It's working. See, you've got to turn around. See, the world always tells you the percentages on the negative side. You know, why couldn't the doctor just easily, when he got diagnosed, say, Well, uh, 15% of them live? I say, Thank you, doctor. That's very good news. He's one of the 15. Thank you, sir. He didn't tell me that. 85% of them die. Well, then your mind's thinking, Well, 85% die. There's no hope. Well, if he would have said 15% live and said, glory to God, man, thank you, Jesus. He's in agreement with the word of God. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. He's one of the 15. Amen. See, you've got to get your mind renewed to think like God thinks the world programs you negative. You know, why do you think that he said, he says for you, life and death. The world sets the death out there before you. Everything the world sees, it's dying. No good. Not going to work. Can't make it. Have bad luck. Well, when I got when I got born again, that was into the luck part. I stepped into the blessing. Luck has never been a part of my vocabulary. You know, it, it to me it's so grievous when a Christmas says when a Christian says says, "Well, Pastor, good luck on what you're going through." I just think <laughs> I won't tell you what I think. All I do is say, "Lord, if they want to live in the luck system, let them live in the luck system." I want to thank you, Lord. I'm in the blessing system. and I'm staying here. What am I doing? I'm telling you how I got to the place when you hear the testimony in a minute from where I was to where I am, how this works. And so anyway, uh, as long as you live on earth, you're going to have an enemy, the devil, and your number didn't mind. And so you must, you must be like the military. You must go through boot camp as a new Christian. As a new Christian, how many know that's like a spiritual boot camp? If you're serious about Christianity, you, you come to church, you go to classes if your church has classes, and you start learning basic Christian things. 
about what's going on because if you're raised in a heathen family like I was, man, I didn't know there was a devil because I didn't even know there was a Jesus. I didn't know anything going on. And so when I found out about what was going on, man, I had to go, I had to go through training. I had to learn some things. And so if you're going to fight the good fight of faith, then you're going to have to constantly stay in spiritual shape and go through drills with your unit, which would be your church family. You got to come back all the time. You got to be drilled. You got to stay current about what's going on. And then when the battle comes, when the battle comes your way, don't lay down and play dead. Don't lay down and play dead when the battle comes. Don't lay down and play dead. If there's something going on for your body and you're praying about it, you've been prayed for at church, and after a reasonable amount of time, those symptoms haven't left, then get to the doctor and get some checkout, and then don't just say, don't just say, I don't have cancer, I don't have cancer. Don't just say, I don't have bad sugar, I don't have bad sugar. You get trained to turn around and say this, well, the doctor said, but James 5.14 says, I've called for the elders of my church. They've adorned me fall in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith has been prayed. And according to James 5.15, it says the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. Have committed sins will be forgiven him. So when you've been diagnosed, you don't go around saying, I don't have it, I don't have it. Well, if you're not going to believe the doctor, why go to? If he says you got it, you got it. But God has a higher law. When the hands have been laid on you, the prayer of faith begins a process in your body. The prayer of faith opens a spiritual door for Jesus to put anointing in your blood. For Jesus to put anointing in your body. Then you go back to the doctor. The doctor says, well, you're getting better and better. You're getting better and better. That's because a higher law just took over. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is now working in your body. In other words, faith doesn't deny things. Faith changes things. Denial will never get you healed. I want to say it again. If you're not going to believe the report the doctor tells you, why go to him? Save your money and just die. But the doctor tells you that, that gives you a target to shoot at. It shows you what it is you're dealing with. And then the doctors and what they're doing can keep you alive long enough to where your faith starts working. Amen. Amen. And so fight the good fight of faith. And so before I show you some up-to-date testimony, because I'm a Bible teacher, it's obvious I'm teaching the Bible, I want to show you the difference. Now, you've got to know this. The difference between how to get your faith to work and what a testimony does for you. There's a difference. If you don't know this, then you'll be deceived. And when the battle comes, you won't have anything to fight with. Look at Revelations chapter 12, verse 11. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, says this. And they overcame him, talking about this passage, talking about the devil, Satan, his demons that want to attack you. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Your number one defense in this spiritual reading is always the blood of Jesus, the Word of God, the blood of Jesus. And I was thinking about that as we sang that song a while ago, so, so fitting. Overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, and by the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto the death. And so your testimony reminds you 
of what the Lord has done. Amen. See, right now, as I'm giving a testimony, because when you go through these things, sometimes they don't seem real. It doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like it was you, like it was somebody else. But when you're testifying, you're testifying as encouraging you, but also it gives him glory. When you're testifying about the good things of God, remember that song we sang and it's out of the Psalms, magnify the Lord. Well, as you're talking about what God's doing, he's getting bigger than the problem you're facing. You're magnifying him in your sight. It magnifies the Lord, gives him glory. And then also it gives others hope. And that's what my purpose is today. I give the glory to God, but I give it to you hope that if he did it for me, then he'll do it for you. That's what gives you hope. Okay, so now look at Romans ten seventeen. I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be in church today. Amen. I'm I'm more excited than ever to be in church today when you hear what I got to tell you. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Romans chapter ten, verse seventeen. So then, so then faith cometh by good testimonies. No. So then faith cometh by praising God. Not testimonies are totally scriptural. Praising God is totally scriptural. So then faith cometh by going to church. Well, not necessarily because a lot of churches maybe don't teach the Bible. They may talk about other things. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Faith cometh by sitting under, getting immersed in the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so, a testimony doesn't give you faith for a miracle or faith for victory. A a testimony gives you hope. But only God's Word that you take the time to get in your heart and in your mouth will give you faith for your miracle. A testimony will give you hope. But the Word of God will give you faith for your own miracle. I want to say that again. A testimony will excite you. Sometimes a testimony, a good testimony, sometimes will give you goosebumps. It'll give you something to get all excited about. But the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. If you need faith for a miracle, if you need faith to come out of a crisis, then you need to get immersed in the Word of God. Need to come to church to hear good preaching. Need to buy faith books. Need to have CDs. Need to go online and get the free free service and things like that. You need to listen to somebody that's absolutely teaching the Word of God, not opinions. Amen. Amen. Not, not, not what their ideas, ideas are or what their experiences were. But what does the Bible say? Amen. And so the last place I want to look before I get to my testimony part of this is Mark chapter 5. What was that? Somebody could do a woo. Hey, man, get excited. Somebody get excited. Tell you what, I'm excited. I don't know if you can tell her, but I'm excited. I know I come in this morning. I guess the ushers are walking or used to watching me on Sunday morning. Sometimes I got to come this year, watching me just kind of wobble up to my seat and sit down. This morning, come in, been here about five minutes. Please, the pastor man said, said, what's going on? I said, you're everywhere. I said, everywhere I'm looking, there you are. Well, that's caused not only has my blood got healing in it, but now my heart's doing its job. So I can move around and do something. Amen. 
I didn't even think about it. Cletus said that. I thought, man, he's right. The old pastor's back. Hey, bad. And so, so yes, I'm so glad to be here. I am excited. So if you want to shout for the word of God, you can do that. That's quite all right. And so in Mark chapter 5, I'm going to end up looking at uh, verse 18 to 20. But this man had been possessed of the devil. He was, he was so ferocious and so mean, they kept him in chains so he wouldn't hurt people. He was a bad dude. And then Jesus came and cast the devil out of him. And then a few verses before this says he was clothed in his right mind. That would be like some of the people we've seen around Barstow. They've been on drugs in the streets so many years. You love and want to help them, but you're afraid of them because they might hurt you. You're almost like a rabid dog that bite you or something. Don't want to be around them. And to see one of these people you've seen sometimes are really bad. All of a sudden, they're dressed nice. And, and you can tell, man, they, man they got, there's something about them. They're changed. Well, that's what this guy was. He was changed by Jesus. That's what he says in verse 18. When he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him or asked him, begged him, if I could travel with you and your disciples, I want to travel too. I want to go with you, Jesus. And how be it Jesus allowed him not, but, but saith unto him, go home to thy friends. Now look at this. And tell them how great things the Lord has done for you, and had compassion on you. And then he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. That means ten different cities that were close to each other. This man began to go everywhere he could, all those cities, and, and, and to show the great things that Jesus did for him. And the people marveled at this man's testimony, what Jesus did for him. And so, I'm like this man. Jesus has done great things for me and had compassion on me. And I want to tell what great things that Jesus did for me. And so anyway, I've told you about the chemotherapy and where that is right now. When that started off back in January, uh, 70% of my blood was affected and my cancer count was 4,500-something, whatever the 4,500 is. And so now it's down to probably about 700. It's really, really went down, down, down. Amen. I'd like to have been all the way, but it's not quite yet. And so right now the doctor has me scheduled for two more sessions, which is two-day sessions. And so this week I go in for a session, and then in September, September I go up another session, and the name of Jesus, that stuff is knocked out. But praise God, that's where we were there. And now, listen closely, and so... Because this whole past week was like a dream to me, like it was somebody else, not me. I have to read my notes so I can tell you how this thing went. Okay, a week ago, or two weeks ago, Wednesday, now on August the 15th, on Wednesday, when I came in, uh, I was suffering some pretty serious chest things and left arm hurting. But because of chemotherapy things for the last eight months, almost nine months, you know, if you've been through some of this stuff and had some stuff, you know what I'm talking about. If not, then it's a whole different world you don't want to ever live in. I had so many pains, hurts, aches, and things go on my body the last eight or nine months. My chest hurt, my arm thing, that's just nothing new. That's just another, that's another, goes along with the program. But after a few days of that, I told Mrs. Pastor, I said, no, this is not chemo. There's something else that's going on, but I have my faith working all the time. That's what I do. Speaking the word, praying, had her lay hands on me, laid hands on myself. And I come into Wednesday night service. This is the week Dr. Parkley was here last week before last now. And come in and Robert kind of had a little cold for me for the last several months. Robert's got a one, two, or three. See if people have to help me walk or not. And so for months and months and months and months, it's been a one with me. And I'm okay, Robert. Just let me enjoy church. Come in. I told Robert that. I said, Robert, I said, I'm a three. You better watch me. And it wasn't chemotherapy. It wasn't blood cancer. It was my heart. 
It was, it was down to where I was walking dead. So I made it into the service and went through the service, made it through the service. And I got up and I was talking to Jesse a couple of days ago. And, and Jesse was telling me, yeah, Pastor, I know that night said, I followed you out. I said, yeah, Jesse. I said, stay close to me. Be ready. If I go down, man, just help me get to the car. Because, I mean, I knew how bad I was. It was bad. So Jesse followed me to the car and I got home. Well, Dr. Barclay's coming in two days. So I tried to sleep Wednesday night. And Wednesday night, <laughs> you know, it's just, I don't know how to describe it. Just so much pain across my chest and my arm. And all the time, Mrs. Pastor, I, said, I told her, I said, this is something different. And she said, it's just chemo. I said, no, this is something different. But I said, we'll use our faith. So we made it through Wednesday night. And then on Thursday, made it through Thursday and Thursday night. I, I don't have to describe pain like that. If you ever had something like that, I guess you know. You know, but went to bed Thursday night. And Dr. Barclay's coming Friday. I don't have time for the hospital anyway. I got here from Dr. Barclay. And so went to bed Thursday night. I couldn't sleep in the bed. My whole chest is blowing up. My arms is blowing up. Such excruciating pain. I mean, I've known some of the last nine months of the chemo stuff, so the pain part never bothered me. I've learned how to ignore that and use faith. But I tried to sleep in a chair, sleep on the couch, and I don't know how I made it through Thursday night for what was really going on because they told me later on I had an ongoing heart attack for all those days. My heart was just constantly attacked. And so I made it through Friday. And, uh, you know, Dr. Barclay is a pretty big deal to me. It's pretty important to me. And he's got his own plane, so we pick him up at the Daggett Airport. So we drove out to the Daggett Airport because he let me know he's going to be the land at 2 o'clock. We're sitting out there at the gate of the airport to pick him up. And I never talk about emergency rooms. I don't live that way. It's not part of my vocabulary. I looked over her, and I said, man, if Dr. Barclay's plane wasn't about the land, I'd have you get me right to emergency right now. I said, I'd have you get me right to the hospital because I said at the airport. My heart was literally at the point of blowing up. And so anyway, Dr. Barclay landed. And we had a good time with him, took him to lunch, had a good time, came to church. I made it through the church. And uh, do you guys remember when Dr. Barclay was here, he got onto this thing about the black cloud? And the black cloud was death coming over some person's life. And so for a long time, he kept talking about being able to handle that dark cloud, know what to do when it comes. Well, I knew what to do when it came before. But anyway, do you remember when Dr. Barclay... At the end of the service, he called us up, and he laid hands on us, and he talked about the health attack that had been on my life for this whole past year. Talked about that, and you remember Dr. Barclay said, you're getting ready to take the giant's head off. Amen. Talk about my health, about the devil trying to steal me. Let me look at my notes and make sure I'm not skipping over something I should have said. And so anyway, he talked about how to get rid, he called it the shadow of death. And, you know, you get that, you go online and see, hear that CD, that was such a good thing. But I didn't know how important it was in my life, what was going to happen to me that night. And so he uh, took authority over death in my life. Remember when he prayed over me about death and all those kind of things? took authority over those things. And then he said, the giant's head is just about to come off. He said, Pastor Bernie, you'll cut the giant's head off. It's been trying to destroy you. And so, uh, after the service, we as pilots and several, several leaders, we went over to Los Domingos, and we sat over there at Los Domingos. I sat there with them, eating steak and baked potato and stuff with them. I sat there, and uh, I had the anointing on me, so I didn't really think about anything. Just, go oh, all's well, man. Been prayed for, been blessed, and things are good. And so, anyway, we said goodbye to Dr. Barclay, and we went home. 
got home about 10 o'clock. I laid down in bed, and by 11 o'clock, you know, my heart, my heart was basically shut down. It was about to explode. I got up. I didn't want to keep her awake, so I went, I went to the living room, sit down, did everything I could to get some relief. I raised my hand. That helped the other day. I raised my hand. That didn't help. I sat there. And so finally, at 2.30, I went and said, you've got to get me to the emergency room now. I need help. So we called, called Joshua. Joshua and her took me to the hospital. And they started running all their tests on me. Diagnosis was, nurse said, you're in the process of a heart attack. You're having a heart attack now. What's been going on since at least Wednesday that I know of? And I need immediate surgery. So they did all their tests and stuff all day long. And at 5.30, the surgeon showed up. They took me into surgery at 5.30 p.m. They gave me a local anesthetic, kept me conscious. Now listen to this. At 45 minutes into surgery, the doctor told his team, it's 95% blockage. We need more stuff. And so then later on Friday, when I went there, he told me it's actually 99%, but 95, 99%. And said that my artery was supposed to be the size of a straw, but it's the size of a fishing line. And so I had blood the size of a fishing line flowing to my heart. It's supposed to be the size of a straw. And so he says, we're going to have to get a bigger stint. And so then, while they were regrouping to get larger stints, now listen to this. This is so powerful. Remember Mark 16 when it says, Jesus went with and confirmed me the word with signs following? <laughs> I've laid their conscience. And all they did is numb me where they was doing the stuff at. And they said, I have to be awake in case they have to have me do something to cooperate with them. So I'm laying there under the sheet. They got all these guys working on me. And all of a sudden, I felt somebody move the sheet on my left side. And a hand went under the sheet started getting a hold of my hand and holding on to it like that. You know, like, you know, if you hold your husband or wife, had somebody you love, whether you hold it like that. And I'm looking around, and there's all the team guys doing their part. Because at first I thought, well, one of these guys is being nice. They're holding my hand. The invisible man was there. I didn't see anybody. And so I laid there. And like I said, my head's not doped up. It's a local anesthetic. My head's totally conscious. And so I'm looking over there. We're 45 minutes into surgery. And this hand's got a hold of my hand. And every once in a while I get a little tighter grip. Just go like that. Just squeezing it. Reassuring me. And so the next 45 minutes, while they did their part to do their part of the surgery, this hand was there. And I'd go, is anybody there? It's just nothing. And the hand just kept squeezing me. And so, you know, I'm... You know, you're going through things like this. I've never had anything like that happen to me. I've been a Christian a long time. I don't make up stuff. I don't have hallucinations. Sometimes you hear people tell stuff, you think, well, they're goofy. And so I've laid there, and I've filled my other hand, thinking, well, my hands are just swell for some reason. I thought, no, that one feels normal. I don't feel anything over there. And over there, I just go like that. And I felt the head just get hold me squeezed. Just kept holding on to my hand for 45 minutes through the surgery. And so when they got done, they said, everything's success. I felt that hand slip away. I thought, glory to God. But then, as I meditated on Psalms 91, in Psalms 91, verse 14, I make it personal to me. So here's what it says to me. It says, because Bernie has set his love upon me, therefore will I be with Bernie in trouble. Why can't he show up personally if he wants to, if you're in trouble? It's nice to know by faith he's there. This manifestation is pretty nice, too. But Jesus comes into the surgery room when the doctor says, this is much more serious than what we thought. Get some more stuff for Jesus to come in. 
as they're increasing what they're doing, and hold my hand and say, hey, we're going through this together. Amen. That was shouting time. <laughs> Amen. And so then, I came out of the room, and they took me to the recovery room. After our recovery, people said, he doesn't need to be in here. And they didn't take me to ICU. They had to take the call. At least we got to take, or at least we got to take to the call to the step down room. That's the room under ICU. It's almost ICU. They didn't take me there. They said, they said, just take you back to a regular room. There's no problems. <laughs> Amen. So I had no pain, nothing going on. They took me back to a regular room for everything to be okay. Amen. I thought that was pretty good myself. You know, I appreciate Jesus laying hands on me while we're going through the prayer. That, that was really nice. And like I said, this is a testimony. This inspires you and gives you hope. But you have to get your own faith to the Word of God and build the Word of God into you. So anyway, everything was great. They all said I was doing great, et cetera, blood pressure, they good. But then at 2 o'clock in the morning, a nurse came in and gave me two pills and said that was for the, for the blood stuff. And they gave me another pill that said for my stomach. I wouldn't have any stomach problems with that. That's okay. I took the pill. But then when she did that, as soon as she gave me those pills, all of a sudden my chest started exploding again. I mean, man, I got hit really bad. And I said, hey, something's going on with my chest. Something's happening. And she said, hold on, Bernie. He said, this room will be filled with people in about one minute. Well, then 30 seconds probably or one minute, man, it looked like the whole hospital came into my room. Man, everybody kept running all kinds of stuff, tools, gadgets, everything, man. They hit my room like that and uh, popped the nitroglycerin pill in my mouth. Then another guy comes with a big syringe and said, I'm going to give you morphine. <laughs> I mean, I had enough wisdom out there. But what I need more? I don't need morphine. You got to have it. As soon as the guy gave me the morphine, all of a sudden, during the, I'll go back on this part here. Over the last year, two years, I've had several episodes of passing out because of blood things. And so I know what passing out is by a lot of experience in the near past. They gave me that, all of a sudden, that black cloud Dr. Barclay talked about came into my room. And I felt my body doing weird things. It wasn't just passing out. Weird things. And so I could still talk enough. I told them, I said, hey, something's going on. I said, man, I'm about to black out. Something's going on. And then I just went into prayer mode as much as I could. But in my heart, I knew that if I go out, it's not just passing out, I'm going to heaven. I knew I was about to get to go to heaven right then. So I was blind to death, doing what I know to do. And then another doctor there said, hey, hey, give this. So they popped an IV in there, gave me some, some other kind of stuff, neutralized the other stuff. And when they did, then things started leaving. And I came back to life. And so that black cloud left. It got out of there. So then, till about 3 o'clock, my room was full of people doing all kinds of tests and x-ray machine in there and all the other KGs and TGs and KKGs and all the Gs. They were all there doing all their stuff. At about 3 o'clock, they left the room. And so then I'm laying there and kind of laying on my left side. And I kind of started sensing somebody walking to the room. I was just laying there, kind of didn't see anybody, but kind of knew they were coming in. And then behind me on my right side by the bed, I heard somebody whispering and praying. 
At first, I thought it was the nurse. Then I realized the nurse that I had was a supervisor nurse. As long as I'd been there, she was just constantly being called, going everywhere like that. I laid there, and I just kept hearing this person praying and whispering and praying, hearing my name, hearing phrases, talking about me, and praying. And, you know, I thought, man. And then I realized, man, that nurse couldn't be here for an hour. She's got things she's doing. She can't come step me out of my bed and pray. And so, you know, I thought, that must have been Jesus. Well, the next day she pointed out to me, we looked. The bed back there was totally filled with equipment. There's no way a human being could have walked over there. Just walked back there, and Jesus showed up again. Said, I'll be with Bernie in trouble. Amen. And the Bible tells us multiple times, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. And so, you know, you think about the New Testament. Jesus appeared to Paul and did some things. He appeared to Peter and lots of the apostles. He showed up all the time in the Bible. And he did things, let people know he was there. We read Acts chapter 1. It says for 40 days he showed himself alive and preached to those crowds there. And so praise God, I'm telling you, Jesus was right there with me, not just by faith, but he showed me he was there. And he was there. I positioned myself for blessing 28 and a half years ago. I filled my heart with the Word of God. Every time I pray, I pray healing over my meals. Every day, pretty much every day, I read divine healing, divine health verses. So the devil tried to kill me, but Jesus wouldn't let him. Amen. Amen. Let me make sure we get this closed before I do it right. Something else I wanted to say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so so anyway, I got released early Monday morning. Right out of the hospital, going home. And so then the doctor tells us on Friday, now get this. He said, 35% of your heart was only getting 1% of the blood it needed. And so then we're talking about all these things. And I said, well, doctor, uh, is it okay if I cut my grass? And then Katie was with me, me and Mrs. Pastor. And Katie said, and said, they like to travel. I said, okay, if he flies on airplanes. You know what the doctor said? The doctor said, go anywhere in the world you want to. Do whatever you want to do. He said, if you want to go swimming, go swimming. He said, you have no heart damage. No heart damage. No heart damage. None. Zero. Amen. So see, that's what I tell you about the miracle of this whole thing there. His words were, and see, sometimes with faith people, because we're so big on Jesus, the Word of God, people think we're nuts, we don't know what's going on. He told me, he said, I do this every day. He said, you were walking dead, man. You shouldn't even be here. You were walking. He said, this is serious. I said, yeah, I know it. <laughs> and so I'm telling you, right now, here's the end of the exhortation, this testimony. Be very serious about the Word of God. If you don't put the Word of God in there today, if you need it tomorrow, it won't be there. And so when you have a spiritual heart full of faith, your spiritual heart will bring healing to your natural heart. Amen. So praise God. I was the walking dead, but I'm the walking alive. Jesus spared my heart. He spared my life. And I want to say this one more time. I would rather be here to the best hospital in Southern California. (laughs) Amen. Let's stand up. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.